Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all today. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. Uh, For those of you who might be visiting with us, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor of the church, and uh, we're very honored that you are with us today. And if this is your first time with us, we have a gift that we'd like to give you. It's a CD of Vineyard Worship Music. Uh, We also have a book that I think we're still giving away with these. So just raise your hand. That's all we're going to ask of you is uh, to raise your hand, and our ushers will get that to you. And then if you would be so kind as to fill out the little card that's attached to that, and uh, place it in the boxes at the back of the auditorium, or if you could bring it to me after the service, if I haven't had a chance to, uh, to meet you yet, I'd love to uh, receive that card and have an opportunity to chat with you for a few minutes. Uh, so again, we thank you for being here. If you do fill out that card, we're going to send you another gift, a Starbucks gift card. So if you like Starbucks, make sure you uh, turn that back in. Um, and if you don't like Starbucks, we'd appreciate you turning it back in anyway. Uh, so uh, we uh, are always honored to have folks uh, visit with us, and we hope that you'll visit with us uh, again uh, real soon. Everybody happy with the Buckeyes yesterday? Yeah, very good, very good. Some of the teams ahead of us didn't lose like they were supposed to, but uh, one of them did, so that was a little bit helpful. Uh, so it's always good when the Buckeyes win. And uh, we always know that uh, uh, the, the, the mood of the service will be better when the Buckeyes uh, win. So, well, today we're continuing in the Make a Difference series. Uh, and I want to share with you for the next few minutes on the topic, making a difference through church planting. Making a difference through church planting. In 1990, C. Peter Wagner wrote a book titled Church Planting for a Greater Harvest. And in that book, he wrote something that has been frequently quoted, uh, really frequently doesn't do it justice, it's just been quoted over and over and over. And that has come to, uh, it's come to be believed by most every denomination and church network that is concerned with fulfilling the Great Commission. Here's what he wrote. I begin this book with a categorical statement that will seem bold and brash to some at first sight even though it has been well substantiated by research over the past two or three decades. The single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. From Southern Baptists to the Assemblies of God, to our own Association of Vineyard Churches, uh, to Grace Brethren Churches, to Christian and Missionary Alliance Churches, to you could just continue the list... Uh, to networks of churches across denominational lines that are joining together for the purpose of church planting, networks like Acts 29, if you've heard of that, or uh, the Association of Related Churches, Christian leaders have become convinced that this is true because of the effectiveness that they've been able to witness with their own eyes and because church planting is a thoroughly biblical approach to fulfilling the great Commission. And so today what I want to do is I want to give a very brief overview of some of the biblical reasons for church planting. And then I want to look at some of the benefits of church planting that we know from experience and observation. And then I want to finish up by sharing about Vineyard Pataskala's commitment to church planting, as well as giving you some information about our plans for our very first church plan. So we'll start with a few biblical reasons for church planting. Number one, Jesus is about building his church. He's building a church. That's what Jesus uh, is about. Matthew 16, 18 records for us a day when Jesus asked his disciples what people were saying about him. 
who, who people were saying that he was. And they gave him a variety of answers. They said that some people were saying he was John the Baptist. Some people were saying he was Elijah. Some people were saying he was one of the other prophets. And then Jesus turned the question directly to his disciples. And he asked, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who answered. And what a great answer it was. Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And to this proclamation of Peter's, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Peter, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, you may be uh, familiar with the, the fact that this verse is has been a controversial verse in the Bible. People have had very different understandings about what it uh, means. A good number of people uh, believe that Jesus was saying that he would build his church on Peter. Uh, And of course, Peter held a very important role in the church, and he holds a a really important role in the history of the church. He preached the first evangelistic message of the church era, and uh, he was a leader in the church of Jerusalem. He was uh, an apostle. He, he, He was a very important person in the church. But the better understanding is that the rock upon which the church would be built is the revelation of who Jesus is. We're told in other places in Scripture that Jesus is the foundation of the church. He is the the cornerstone. And so the rock the church is being built on is Jesus and the revelation of who he is. So I, I wanted to share that with you. But here's the key thing from this verse for our purposes today. Jesus is building a church. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is not about... Uh, A collection of individuals being connected to him, but isolated from each other. That's not what Jesus is about uh, in the world. He he, He isn't about revealing himself to people and then leaving them isolated unto themselves. What Jesus is about in the world is drawing those who turn to him in faith together as his people, as his church. So Jesus is building a church. And scripture tells us he's coming again for his church. This thing called the church, with all of its imperfections and flaws, it remains, always has been, God's idea. It's what Christ is doing in the world. He is building his church. Of which all individual, local, Bible-believing, Christ-honoring local churches go together collectively to make up the one church that Christ is building. If Christ is building his church, and he is, then planting local churches that together are part of that one church he is building is a worthwhile and thoroughly biblical undertaking. Number two, the Great Commission is basically... A call to plant churches. Here's the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end 
of the age. The Great Commission is basically, essentially, a call to church planting. And if you don't want to take my word for that, here's what Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, who uh, I would uh, say is one of our generation's greatest pastors, authors, thinkers, here's what he has to say uh, about the Great uh, Commission. Virtually all of the great evangelistic challenges of the New Testament are basically calls to plant churches, not simply to share the faith. The Great Commission is not just a call to make disciples, but to baptize. In Acts and elsewhere, it is clear that baptism means incorporation into a worshiping community with accountability and boundaries. The only way to be sure you're increasing the number of Christians in a town is to increase the number of churches in a town. And I would add to that that teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you it is also evidence that the Great Commission includes and is basically a call to plant churches. Teach them to obey everything necessitates a consistent ongoing relationship within a community of believers. And we see this all through the New Testament. We see the value that we are to one another in growing into the people that Christ wants us to be. Church planning is also implied in Acts 1.8, which says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is building a church. He is building his church. The Great Commission is basically a call to plant churches. And number three, we see church planning modeled throughout the New Testament, most clearly in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So here's something important to, to, to realize. Those early followers of Jesus heard him give the Great Commission. They heard his instructions in Acts 1.8, and they responded by going throughout the Roman Empire, bearing witness to Christ, and establishing churches everywhere they went. And the Apostle Paul seems to have had a very specific strategy for church planting. Now, now we're not going to turn to uh, verses for this one because you'd need to look in Acts and Titus and Romans to, to thoroughly go through this. But he seemed to have a twofold approach to church planting. He would first uh, go to the largest city of a region, preach the gospel and establish a church. And then he would plant churches in each city of that region. Keller notes that this means Paul had two controlling assumptions. Number one, that the way to most permanently influence a country was through its leading cities. And number two, that the way to most permanently influence a city is to plant churches in it. So Jesus is about building his church. The Great Commission is basically a charge to plant churches. And Paul and the early followers of Christ heard the Great Commission and went around planting churches. And they were quite intentional about how they approached it. Uh, of course, there's uh, a whole lot more that could be said on this topic. But this provides a, a basic but solid biblical, for, uh, biblical foundation for why we ought to be making a difference through church planting. In addition to the strong biblical case for church planting, we can also look at the experience of church planting today. The fruit of church planting today, 
to make the case for what a good idea church planting is and to verify that a lot of great things result from church planting. So let's consider just a few of the great things that result uh, from church planting. And many of these I am indebted to other people uh, for pointing out. So I'm just uh, sharing information that, that many people recognize. Number one, evidence shows that new churches best reach unchurched people. New churches best reach unchurched people. Dozens of denominational studies have confirmed that the average new church gains most of its members, 60 to 80 percent, from the ranks of people who were not involved with any worshiping body before that church existed. While churches over 10 to 15 years of age gain 80 to 90 percent of new members by transfer from other congregations. While any new church does gain members uh, from other churches, sometimes for legitimate reasons and sometimes for less than legitimate reasons, it is not true that new churches grow primarily at the expense of existing churches in the area. They tend to reach people who either have no previous church connection or have been away from church for many years. And this is something that in the early years of our church, uh, we experienced. I don't, I'm not sure of the percentages, to be honest with you, but we saw a lot of this. People who had no church connection or people who had a church connection, but it was way in the past somewhere. They had been away for many years. So with this being true, church planting really is the most effective evangelism methodology known under Now, sometimes people will raise an objection to this, raise an objection to planting new churches because they know that there are a lot of churches in any town and that many of these churches are struggling. And so the idea that people put forward is that we should come alongside of the struggling church, revitalize those churches, and get them strong before any other planting is done. Well... It's not an either-or thing. I think it's a both-and thing. I I think that's good to do that. But this severely underestimates how much more difficult it can be to revitalize a plateaued or declining church compared to planting a new church. And it underestimates the positive impact new churches can have on existing churches in their area. There are several contributions that new churches make to the whole body of Christ, including other local churches in their areas. Number one, they bring new ideas to the whole church. New churches tend to have a lot more freedom than existing churches do to innovate and try new things. They don't have any sacred cows that have to be killed before being able to try something new. They don't have layers of committees that all must weigh in uh, before the color of the carpet can be changed. They basically become the research and development department for the rest of the churches in the city if those churches are inclined toward learning from the newer churches. And new churches are one of the best ways to draw out new creative and strong leaders within the body uh, of Christ. And this is one of the things I note in our own church. We have tons of highly capable leaders here. And it's time we start like kicking them out and letting them, you know, soar. New churches challenge other congregations to self-examination. 
When a new church comes to town and starts growing and winning people to Christ, other churches should and often do begin to evaluate themselves in meaningful ways. Ways that result in changes. And in this way, new churches can actually be part of the answer for renewing and revitalizing existing churches in an area. They, they lead the way by example. They show the way. And here's something that's often overlooked about new churches. And you may be inclined to think this is a negative thing, but remember, we're all one body. We're all one church. So I'm not sure it's as negative as we might initially think. New churches often serve as evangelistic feeders for the whole community. In other words, new churches often produce many new converts who end up in more established churches for any number of reasons. Perhaps some new converts aren't comfortable with the instability that is sometimes present uh, in a newer church. Perhaps they struggle with the frequency of change that sometimes happens Uh, in a new church. This month, we're meeting at this place. Next month, we're meeting at another place. Next month, I can't find you, so I'll go go to this this other church. Uh, Perhaps, um, uh, you know, not far into their walk, they realize that this church is great at winning people to Christ. It it was a great place to come to faith, but they don't have the structure in place to, to, to help me grow. It isn't as strong at helping me become a mature follower of Christ. Uh, Often because they just haven't been around long enough to to develop any systems for assisting people that way. Sometimes people find out that a church just is not a good fit for them for any number of reasons. And of course, we often will discourage this because the body of Christ is about, you know, learning to to love one another and live in community with people who aren't like us and, and all of those kind of things. But there are legitimate reasons why people say, you know, this place is not a good fit for me. But this one is. And so for a whole variety of reasons, new churches often do great at evangelism, and then they feed new Christians into other churches. So Keller considers all of the uh, positive contributions of new churches for a community uh, and, and even the other churches in that community, community, and he says this, Vigorous church planting is one of the best ways to renew the existing churches of a city as well as the single best way to grow the whole body of Christ in a city. So church planting is biblical. Church planting is effective. Church planting can benefit the whole body of Christ in a city. This is why church planting is viewed as so important by most Christian denominations and various networks. And it is why I believe Vineyard Pataskala must make a commitment to making a difference through church planting. So let's talk for a few minutes uh, about where we are as a church, where Vineyard Christian Church is in terms of planting other churches. How does all of this apply to us, what will we do as a result of these things? When we were planted nine and a half years ago, we established the following as our mission statement. Vineyard Christian Church exists to introduce people to Jesus and develop them into mature disciples who will then continue the process with others. Now, many of you have heard me say this over and over. I like, personally like to change this and say develop them into maturing disciples of Jesus, because I've never met a fully mature 
Christian. Uh, so, but, but that's what it says, technically. Mature disciples who will then continue the process with others. Likewise, VCC exists to plant other churches that will carry out this mission in the communities in which they are planted. So that's the mission statement that we started with as a church. But after nearly eight years, we had made no progress toward church planting. And quite frankly, we had stopped even talking about church planting. Not, not seeing a way forward, realizing we weren't doing anything about church planting. We even reached a point where we removed the church planting part from our mission statement. I mean, it almost felt like we were lying. You know, like this is in our mission statement. We're not doing anything uh, about it. And here's what I think had happened. This had at least happened for me, I think perhaps for our other leaders, but I'll just speak for myself. I had become convinced that we needed to be a larger church before we could plant another church. I had become convinced that we needed to have our own act together better before we planted another church. I had become convinced that we needed more resources before we planted another church. And all of this had caused me... And I think us, but again, I'll just say me, to, uh, to, to just kind of put it on the shelf, to, to not really give it much thought. But in late 2012, God began to work, I believe. God used a man from the National Church Planting Office of Vineyard USA to nudge us toward re-engaging with church planting. He attended one of the area pastors' meetings that I go to on a monthly basis And he shared two things that served as a catalyst for our beginning to take action. First, he shared that most church planting is done by churches between 200 and 400 people. Think about that. Most church planting is not done by megachurches. Most church planting is done by churches between 200 and 400 people, which is the range that we fall in. Now, I'm sure that this information is readily available from multiple sources, but I had never seen it. Uh, I assumed that church planting was done by larger churches, churches with greater financial resources, churches that are farther down the road than what we are, and none of that is true. And it caused me to begin to feel that God was speaking to me that we needed to re-engage with church planting. Not stopping there, this man gave what I think you could call a prophetic word during the meeting that someone, and he thought it might apply to to a few people in the meeting, that someone in the meeting needed to tear down a wall. Tear down a wall. Now, I felt like, and I, this might kind of disappoint you, but I I just want to tell you this. I'm not always the most inclined to have someone share a prophetic word and then like immediately know how it applies to me. Uh, I'm just not. Um, I know many of you are, and God bless you, but, but often I am I'm not. One time I was having, oh, I'm getting off track now. One time, <laughs> one time I was having a medical issue, and uh, someone in a, in a healing service uh, described my medical issue to a T, but he said it was on the, the right side of their neck. And my medical issue was on the left side of my neck. And so he invited people to come up for prayer, and I didn't go. And Michelle turned to me and she said, he just described exactly what's wrong with you. And I said, well, no, mine's on the left side. He said the right side. She said, you moron, get up there and get prayer. (laughs) 
So, so I'm not always the most inclined toward, uh, toward these things. But I felt like the Holy Spirit immediately let me know that this word was for me. And I felt for us, our leaders, and ultimately for our church. And I immediately felt like God also revealed to me what the word was, or, or what the wall was. I'm sorry. It was the wall of caution. The wall of caution. Now, if you know me very well, and if you know most of our other leaders very well, you know that we are a cautious bunch of people. A cautious bunch. Uh, Our elders, many of our other leaders, um, there really is not a wild and crazy person in the group. There's just not. Andrew can be a little crazy every once in a while. But uh, other than Andrew, there, there just aren't many wild and crazy people in the group. We are almost exclusively planners. We are almost exclusively risk averse. We are high C's or whatever the cautious letter in the DISC assessment is. Which one's the cautious letter? C for caution. We, we, are, we are high C's. And so I felt like God was calling us, telling us we needed to tear down the wall of caution. Now, I want to be clear what this does not mean. It does not mean that we throw caution to, to, to uh, the wind. It doesn't mean that. But here's what it does mean, that we tear it down as an obstacle to what God might want to do in and through us. I felt like God was saying that he wanted us to take on things for him that could not be accomplished only by solid planning, proper resourcing, and hard work. That he was calling us to do things that require the, uh, that require the kind of faith that is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That he was calling us to step out into the water before the waters parted for us. That maybe he was calling us to go to battle with an undermanned army, knowing that we were dependent solely on him for victory. That he was calling us to dream big enough dreams that they are only achievable by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this put us on a path of several months of discussion. Several months of seeking God that eventually resulted in a decision to begin stepping out in faith, And to develop a vision and strategy for church planting. And so here's what I can tell you as the result of all of that. We are committed, along with other vineyard churches in our area, to planting churches. And for us, this will primarily be in small towns throughout rural areas of eastern, southeastern, and southern Ohio. If God would open doors, we would also love to be involved in either directly or or through helping other people plant churches in West Virginia, Western Pennsylvania, and Eastern Kentucky, with our greatest emphasis being on Southeastern Ohio. Much church planting in recent years, which which is great, it, it follows the model of the Apostle Paul, has been centered on planting in large urban centers. But this leaves literally hundreds of thousands, even millions of people who live in small towns in rural areas and places like southeastern Ohio, many times without any Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, life-giving church in their community. And so that's where we want to go. 
And that's what we want to do. So there's a lot more that I could say, but for the sake of time, I'll just uh, direct those of you who are interested in more information uh, about what we're doing uh, to this document that is available on the uh, little info table, welcome table out in the foyer. Uh, and it will tell you more about our vision and strategy for planting in general, as well as specific information about our first church plant, which I want to share with you now. Uh, I have mentioned this a few times. I mentioned it fairly specifically a, a couple of times. But today I am excited to let you know that we are no longer just in the thinking about it stages. We are now fully committed and in the early steps of beginning to plant our first church out of Vineyard Christian Church, Pataskala. I see Kevin wants to clap, so will you guys clap with Kevin? Amen. We are now in the early stages of beginning to plant Vineyard Church of Perry County in New Lexington, Ohio. New Lexington, if you're not familiar, is about 35 to 40 miles southeast of here. It is a town of about 4,700 people in a county of around 35,000 people. It is part of Appalachia. It has a poverty rate of about 35% compared to Pataskala, which is about 9%. And only about 29% of the people in the county are affiliated with any church. There are no vineyard churches in the county. And frankly, there is a need for Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, life-giving churches in Perry County and New Lexington. Now, don't think for a second that we feel like we have it all together. We don't. But we do think that we have some good things to offer, and we do believe that God is directing us to plant in this place. And so in early 2015, we will begin uh, by holding an interest meeting in New Lexington, we are also going to be establishing an office presence there, at which time we'll begin serving the community in a variety of ways, including providing food assistance to families in need. Throughout 2015, we will hold occasional preview services where we give the community a taste of what's coming and hopefully build interest. And then if we have traction, which I believe we will have, and honestly I'm going to tell you here in a minute, I think we already have, Either in the fall of 2015 or early 2016, we will fully launch the church, including offering weekly Sunday worship services. Now, there's a lot more that I would like to share with you about this, but time simply doesn't permit. So if you have any questions at all, you can get that handout that we have available, or I would be absolutely thrilled uh, to speak to you about what we are doing. So I want to do uh, two more things, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll conclude. Uh, first, I am excited to let you know today that we have moved from the phase of this where it was simply an idea, but an idea that no one in New Lexington or Perry County knew anything about, to now actually having people who live there who are interested in being part of what we're doing. And though we have not yet asked them for a formal commitment, all of their actions tell us that they are on board with this endeavor. In our 1030 service, two of those families will be with us. 
And so if you would like to meet them, I invite you to stay over. They uh, simply said with the distance and their multiple children, they had no hope of being here at nine. I think you can understand that. Uh, But they will be in our 1030 uh, service, at which time we will uh, recognize them and pray over them. These families, as well as our own Ashley Hunt, who teaches in Perry County, are going to tap into their network of family, friends, and co-workers to spread the word about our interest meeting and the, the church. I cannot tell you how going from no one interested to finding the first family and then the second family, and now we have a third local family that's interested, I cannot tell you what a big deal that is. That is an important part of this process, and it has happened. And I am so thankful to uh, these three families, uh, two of which I mentioned will be here. I'm so thankful to them for uh, their affirmation of our plans and their interest in what we're doing and their willingness to help. I am genuinely appreciative of them. God has used them to encourage me and us that this idea to plant in New Lexington wasn't just the result of late night pizza, but that he was actually leading it. And so I'm very thankful for them. And then we have about 15 people in our own congregation uh, who have expressed interest in helping in some way with planting this church in Perry County. Now, the interest ranges from committing to prayer support to helping with occasional outreaches in the area to some even considering three- to six-month commitments to help us get the Sunday services going by staffing different aspects uh, of the Sunday services when we get uh, to that point. Now, I don't know how many of those people are going to be in church today in general, how many are in uh, this service um, this morning, but if you're here and you have already expressed interest in this and you remain committed, don't don't stand if you don't remain committed. We, uh, no, I was trying to be funny but couldn't figure out how to do it. Uh, so uh, if, uh, if you are interested in helping us with New Lexington and you've expressed that commitment, why don't you go ahead and stand and let the congregation see uh, who you are. Looky here. Looky here. Amen. Now stay standing. Stay standing. We've got Jeff Hammond, Tresses, Andrew Lang, Brian Hagerman, Ben Yee, Patty Werner, and I didn't skip her, Ashley Hunt. Ashley, raise your hand. Ashley uh, teaches uh, in Perry County, and Ashley has been, from the moment she came to this church, uh, she has expressed interest in helping to get something going uh, in New Lexington, so she's been an important uh, part of this. And so all of these folks have said, yes, we want to help start a church in New Lexington to, to some, some way. We, we want to help in some way. So will you give them a hand for doing that? Thank you, guys. So finally, let me share some ways that all of you can get involved in helping to make a difference through church planting. First of all, the most obvious thing is pray. Uh, There's an insert in your bulletin that lists a number of prayer points. And so we ask you to pray for those things, but really just pray for anything and everything that comes to your mind uh, about this endeavor that we are taking on as a church. Number two. Consider joining these 15 or so people who have expressed interest in helping. If your interest is an offer for occasional help 
all the way up to being willing to help staff the services. Or if you're like, you want to move down there. Well, that takes a lot of faith. If you want to move down there, we'd love to talk to you uh, as well. Uh, I'd like to hear from you. And so uh, let me know. I won't be saying that in the second service. The, the... Okay, never mind. It was going so well until I started letting my mind go. Anyway, so if you have any interest at all in the details of this, how we're going to do it, who's going to lead it, all those kind of things, let me know. I would love to share uh, that information with you. And finally, you can give financially toward this initiative. In January, we plan to establish an office and begin serving the community. Obviously, there are expenses associated with that. We'll be launching a website for the new church, and there are expenses with that. We'll be printing literature. We'll start putting money into outreach and serving the community. So there are going to be expenses associated with this. And so two weeks from today, on Sunday, November 30th, we'll be receiving a special offering in addition to our regular offering. And all money received in the special offering will go to the cost of starting Vineyard Church of Perry County. And so I ask all of you to prayerfully consider what God would have you give. And I ask you to please give generously to this cause. We do not do a lot of special offerings uh, in this church. I, I hope that you recognize that. We do not do very many special offerings. And so I hope that you'll respond to this one and that you'll give generously to this initiative. So if we want to make a difference in the world, this is a really great and effective way to do so. Let's make a difference through church planting. It's not going to be easy. I have no illusions that it will be easy, and, and you should not either. But let's not limit God by believing that the only things that can be accomplished are those things that can be done through solid planning, hard work, and proper resourcing. That only those things that we can control are the things that can be done but let's be willing to do things for God that require faith that is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Let's be people who are willing to step out into the waters before they have parted. Let's be people who are willing to go to battle with an undermanned army, knowing that us plus God can win the battle. Let's be those kind of people. Let's be people who are willing to dream big enough dreams that they are only achievable through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's do things that can only be accomplished if God does them through us. So let's plant a church in New Lexington. And after that, let's plant more churches throughout southeastern Ohio. Let's make a difference through church planting. Why don't you stand?